So cute. <laughs> Did I do that well? You was did. the sound good? It was good. <laughs> good. It was good. This is Not the Destination, the podcast about staying creative and discovering your path. Every other week, we embark on a thought adventure to figure out what makes our creative clocks tick. This is a chance for us to recharge and take stock of why and how we want to make great stuff. This is Season 1, Episode 7. We're so glad you joined us. Hi, Nina. Hi, Tony. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I, I'm feeling like I haven't seen you in a million years. I know. I've missed you. Me too. The gist of our podcast is being on a journey and to not focus so much on the end result or the goal, but to enjoy the ride along the way. But in reality, I mean, we do have goals and we do have big events that we shoot for. That kind of keeps us inspired and keeps us on the track. Um, and so you get, you'll be going down the road and then you come to your milestone, which is simply a marker in the road. Um, and you want to enjoy that milestone and appreciate it for what it is. But then there is a letdown afterwards. And then sometimes there's a, there's a thought of, you know, well, what do I do now? Like, where do I go from here? And that's, that's a really interesting spot to be in. I'm, I'm kind of feeling like I'm in that place lately because I had a couple of big events this fall and they went really well and I'm, I'm you know, was proud to be involved in them. Um, and I would say that they were, you know, successful events. And now that they're over, you kind of like take stock of where you're at and I'm thinking, okay, well, like, where do I go from here? And, and truthfully, I'm not really sure. I've been really struggling with this a little bit. Um, you know, I'm feeling like you, I like having goals to shoot for and I don't want to just rush through life and, you know, not pay attention to the journey, but, um, I don't know, maybe I'm experiencing a little bit of that letdown that happens after you, you've reached a certain plateau and you have to think, you know, well, what happens now? It sounds like it. That reminds me of a, a section of, um, that reminds me of a story that Tim Ferriss shares in the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, where he had, he had finished building his product and he had built the infrastructure um, to be able to outsource the key pieces so that the company would run on its own to produce the product. In, in his case, it was an energy supplement um, sort of pill. It was like an herbal supplement. Okay. And so he talks about how it had always been a dream of his to, to travel across Europe. So he was able to spend a month just traveling and he had the confidence that his, his company would be okay. That was one of his goals. That's one of the principles that he talks about in the four hour work week was explaining some of his life experience and how he was able to do that. But he talks about how having had such a, a type A personality for so long that when he was there, he didn't know how to enjoy <laughs> he didn't know how to enjoy backpacking across Europe 
and seeing all of those great sights and 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 really relishing in this goal that he had worked so hard to achieve because he didn't know what to do every day without his to-do list. Yeah. I so he was writing out a to-do list of the places he wanted to go and the things he wanted to see, trying to simulate this um, you know, same working mentality that he had had while he was trying to build his company. Yeah. I, I think if you're like that type A personality, um, it is really hard to slow down. And, you know, being away for a month is great, but really what he probably needs to do to really like relax is to take like a year off, (laughs) you know, absolutely. but but who has time to do that? It's funny that you say that that's actually (laughs) one of the things that he did later in the book that he talked about as well. So you're right on target. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So you don't even have to read the book. Actually, I have that book. Do you? I read it a long time ago. Oh, and I have You're channeling it. I have it in audio book form as well. I do too. I like the audio book form the best. I like the idea of, you know... I like his, his concept for the book. Absolutely. Four-hour work week or four-day work week. Four-hour work week. It's four-hour work week. It's, it's the four-hour work week. Even better. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I know when I go on vacation, it takes me like two or three days. I, I'm not a real, you know, driving personality, type A. I don't know what type I am, but I, I've noticed it takes two or three days to wind down. Then you have like a day or two to relax. And then, then you're gearing back up to coming home and, and getting back to work, so... A year off would be fabulous. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking about an artist that I know. He's much older than I am. He really became quite famous, like, when he was in his late 20s, early 30s. And uh, I remember running into him many years after that. I was, ma- I was maybe in my mid-30s, and he was maybe in his mid-60s, let's say. And I remember running into him at a party and just saying, oh, how are you, you know, catching up a little bit. And he said, so tell me, Nina, what do you do to stay inspired? And I was floored by that question because here's this guy, he's famous, uh, someone I look up to. I'm thinking, why is he asking me? I'm just a local artist. I'm not well-known, you know. It just floored me that he would ask me that question. And I says, well, and I had a hard time answering it. I think I'm just a naturally inspired person, maybe. I don't know. I I look around me all the time. Um, You know, I look at the landscape all the time. Everywhere I look, I see a painting. And maybe I'm very lucky in that regard. But it just made me think that, you know, we shoot for these goals of being, let's say, famous or well-known. Like if you're an artist, maybe your goal, your ultimate goal is to get into a museum or to have a famous gallery carrying your artwork. And so here's this guy that had done that. He had made it. And he was he was floundering. And it really worried me. You know, I was thinking, well, is that going to happen to me? You know? Um, and how do you stay inspired? And, you know, just hoping that it would never happen to me, that I would be lucky and be able to stay on track. Um, that is really interesting. I think... To some extent, with art and with any kind of creative endeavor of of building something special, it's not maybe as much about being inspired as it is being consistent. Mm -hmm. And I've sort of thought about this even with our podcast in that no matter how good the, the thoughts and the ideas that we are talking about are, 
uh, no matter how many people these ideas have the potential to help. If we're not consistent about releasing it and publishing it and sharing it with our audience, it will never be widely enough seen Mm -hmm. to really make that difference, to, to achieve its potential. And it may then follow again with those sorts of creative endeavors that, that previous success from one thing may not be an indicator of, of the longevity of a career or the longevity of success Mm -hmm. without that consistency. Mm-hmm. And seeing the 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 paths of famous authors and of of famous artists, I think that sort of holds true. I've recently been reading the book uh, The Antidote, which has this great title. Let me read it. It's called The Antidote: Happiness for People Who Can't Stand Positive Thinking. Good one. Um, And I've never been a negative person by nature, so I'm not... You're not necessarily in that category of people. Exactly. But I also don't like and have shied away from uh, the kind of ignorant focus on positivity. Um, the folks that say, if we only focus on all the good things and we imagine that the bad things aren't there, then that's what we'll get more of, which never seemed to really stack up to me. It seems like a lot of of plans with very good intentions have failed, right. especially when we look at a national or a global stage and we see things that, that probably did some harm. Um, you know, well, when we look at wars, when we look at at public policy decisions, and I won't get too deep into politics on any specific side, but I think that we can leave it up to our listeners to fill in the blank because there are plenty of examples on both sides of this. Um, if you're in the United States and the two sides are Republican and Democrat, although if you want to look um, the in other places, I'm sure there are examples on all sides as well, where there are very good intentions, but a, a lack of execution and a, a reckless abandon um, towards thinking that it will all just work because they went into it with the right attitude. Absolutely. With the right attitude, with the right, with the right goal. Right. Um, that bothers me. So I really found some affinity to this book for that reason. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, um, uh, the book is the antidote and it's by Oliver Berkman and it, he talks in one of the chapters a little bit about this kind of being inspired. And I'm going to read this uh, this passage right now. Taking a non-attached stance towards procrastination starts with from a different question. Who says you need to wait until you feel like doing something in order to start doing it? The problem from this perspective isn't that you don't feel motivated. It's that you imagine you need to feel motivated. If you can regard your thoughts and emotions about whether you're procrastinating about your procrastinating on as passing weather, you'll realize your reluctance about working isn't something that needs to be eradicated or transformed into positivity. You can coexist with it. 
you can note the procrastinatory feeling and act anyway. It is illuminating to note here how the daily rituals and working routines of prolific authors and artists, people who really do get a lot done, very rarely include techniques for getting motivated or feeling inspired. Quite the opposite, they tend to emphasize the mechanics of the working process, focusing not on generating the right mood, but on accomplishing certain physical actions regardless of mood. Mm -hmm. And I've seen you do this quite a bit. Um, uh, uh, We uh, have already talked about in the podcast about how I believe you said the phrase, if you get to work, then your muse will come. Yes. Like the first rule, I think, is show up. (laughs) And that's sometimes the hardest. Because once you show up in front of your blank canvas or your blank paper that you're writing on, your, your blank screen... As soon as you show up, the work will start to happen. So showing up is, is the first main thing. And, um, and if you show up and, and you sh- you're showing constant dedication, consistent dedication, then your muse will come. Yeah, I really believe that. And I suppose that's bad news to the, the shop owners of, of artist supplies and writing supplies, um, um, and these kinds of, of of tools that try to sell you on the idea of if you only had the right notebook, then you could write meaningful thoughts <laughs> in it, right? That's right. Oh, my gosh. I've bought so many. Well, we all do this. And it's, it is kind Absolutely. Of, it's so much fun to buy a new notebook or sketchbook. You know, it really is fun. But <laughs> it'll sit there, you know, unused unless you show up and... And have a plan for being consistent, you know, consistently showing up to get your work done. Because there's nothing inherent to the notebook that's going to produce good art. Uh, The good art comes from your effort and what you bring to it, your worldview, your experience, Mm -hmm. um, your deep thought around a topic. Right. And that's not going to get any better by, by buying the... $50 notebook as opposed to the $5 notebook. No. That's not to say that you shouldn't buy a notebook that's comfortable for you, of course, but... And fun pens. Let's not forget about that. (laughs) Absolutely. You need your notebook. You need fun pens. So I think... Uh, You need to spend time building the perfect studio so that you can then feel creative and in the right mood and all of these things. There's a lot of, of schools of thought that push that notion. It's true. And to be sure, there are benefits of having all those things. I'm not ruling those out, but I think there can be an unhealthy, um, you know, almost uh, fetishistic, if that's a word, you know, approach to those sorts of, uh, of tools. And, and, it's, and if you're a procrastinator, you totally buy into that idea of, um, oh, I, I can't do it now because I don't have the notebook or the studio or whatever. But truthfully, the main thing is that you just have to get the work done. You know, you have to keep at it, whether you're feeling inspired or not. So when my, when my famous friend said to me, how do you stay inspired? And I really didn't know what to tell him at the time. But now maybe I would say to him, um, you know, why wait till you feel inspired? Just show up and, you know, go to your studio and grab your brush and start painting. You know, maybe that's what I would say to him now. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I watched a, a talk online um, 
in the Creative Morning series. Have you heard of this? No. It is a it is a a series that has popped up in in cities all across the world of creative people. Uh, they're only in major cities right now, but of creative people that come together with a with an interesting speaker once a month. And so they all come together. There are sponsors that provide breakfast and things like that. It's called Creative Mornings. We'll link to it in the show notes, which can be found at notthedestination.audio, by the way. Or if you're listening to this in your favorite podcatcher, you can find the show notes uh, inside of there because we publish all of them with every um, episode. But I was watching this Creative Morning Talk and it was very interesting and there's a lot more meaning and I'm sure I'll come back to it in in future episodes because it really spoke to me on a deeper level. But one of the things that the speaker talked about was how she had these activities where she would try to make something ugly and that was her goal. So her goal was to make something really hideous and she would have a theme, she would use certain crafts or she would use a certain medium and her goal was to make something terribly ugly. And she said in the talk, the worst thing that would happen was I failed and I made something beautiful. (laughs) And I thought that that was so great because she kind of described it as as making something ugly to get that out of the way, to get some of the frustrations of not knowing or not thinking that she could make something great to just clear that out. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sort of thinking, is that something that we can do in other aspects of our life? If we're writing, can we write something yes. and just write it badly? Use slang, start with prepositions. <laughs> like just use bullet points, just get something out of the way. You know, like put together bad thoughts, you know, like put together things that, that don't even fit together and then write the good thing. Yeah, I think because once you're in motion, the, the, the thing about showing up is then you have to get set into motion. You have to get it set into motion. So uh, like Julia Cameron with her famous, you know, morning pages uh, exercise that she has you do in that exercise, you're supposed to just dump everything from your brain onto the page. It's not supposed to make any sense. Nobody's ever going to read it. You know, you're not constructing a fancy plot. You just get all that stuff out. And somehow, once you get it set in motion and you get all that stuff out, all of a sudden you find yourself, hey, you know, I'm writing and it's it's going pretty well. I guess maybe um, with artwork, you can do something like doodling. There's a lot of people, there's a really big trend right now for um, sketchbook journaling. It's like a whole thing. And my fa- friend Maria told me about it. And... Um, that looks so much fun to me because you're not trying to draw anything great or beautiful. You're just sort of doodling and the doodles turn into these really cool shapes. And then the next thing you know, there's words added in and you end up with this really neat piece of artwork that could inspire you to do other things. I think it's a good idea. And that by itself sounds too like starting something without a destination in mind, not worrying so much about that end goal, mm-hmm. but just making something and then building off of it and building off of it. Yeah. Sort of like the first rule of improv is yes and. Mm. Have you ever heard about that? No. I love improv. I love improv. As an artistic what medium. What was that show that was on? Whose Line Is It Anyway? I loved that show. With Drew Carey. Is it still on? I believe that they actually brought it back recently. Um, but I'm not positive about that. But the first rule of improv is 
Yes, and. So if there's someone up on stage and they say, I'm a big boogie monster and I'm coming to get you. And the person that's there says, no, you're not. Then that stops the entire rhythm of what they're doing. So if someone says no, then that puts an end to it. It's sort of like in the in the sketchbook example of if you if you doodle something and then you say no that's not there and you try and erase it you ruin the the, um, the pattern the energy all of that of what you're doing but in improv you can always say yes and so if I don't like the direction that that's going and you said I'm a big scary boogie monster I could say well I'm a bigger boogie monster slayer. <laughs> And I'm going to get you. And then I've said yes and. And then we get to build off of that pattern. Mm -hmm. So in the sketchbook, you can sort of do the same thing. You can turn something into something else. And I've seen some of Maria's work. And she does that quite often where she'll take something that's a wine label, for instance. And then she'll turn it into something that's totally different than that. That it would have been very difficult to think of at at the outset. But in hindsight, you can see where that makes total sense from where it's been played off of it. And maybe our careers sort of follow the same pattern. And the, if we uh, don't try and, and structure our lives according to some of those milestones that we were saying at the beginning of the episode of I have to hit these things to be successful, but rather we just set little goals along the way and then reevaluate what our grand life plans are. Mm-hmm. And let that be our inspiration along the way. Maybe that's a healthier approach. I do think it's a good idea to kind of go with the flow and and set little goals. But it is good to have those bigger goals. And so how do you deal with it once you reach that goal and uh, you find yourself looking around and saying, okay, well, what do I do next? Do you just jump back into your regular life and do you know baby steps and have little goals again or um i mean there's definitely a letdown i think after a big event so that's so true in the holidays i it took me several years as a kid to 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 realize this i don't know if i realized this really until i was a teenager but perhaps my my least favorite holiday if you can call it this is the day after christmas yeah, that's the worst. And it's not even because anything was bad. It's just that we build it up so much, or at least I built it up so much, that then the day afterwards, I was kind of feeling like that was it. I waited 12 months for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess... Um, when that happens, when you're feeling that letdown, you just sort of have to take a moment, relax, and say, okay, back to work, and just keep going on your path. Um, don't wait to be inspired necessarily. You know, you want to just get your energy going again in, in a certain direction. And I think once you get it in motion, um, great things will happen. So when you start to get back to your regular routine, you realize that, hey, you know what, I'm this is my life. I need to take control of, of what I'm doing. You don't want to be swayed, you know, by a lot of other people. You don't want to just sort of sit back and let life just like you're a passenger in, in your own car. Um, 
I think sometimes if you are feeling a lack of inspiration, maybe a little bit of a letdown from a big event, unsure of what to do, you just need to get back in that driver's seat, you know, grab the wheel and say, okay, on to my next adventure, because there are little milestones along the way, but on the whole, life is is a big adventure, right? So you need lots of milestones and lots of events like that um, for life to be exciting and, and fulfilling. And it's also, uh, none of us are going to make it out alive. <laughs> That's very depressing, but true. <laughs> I don't know that it is depressing. Uh, from the point of view of, of we, I think, try to build up to this grand finale. Mm. And lots of art follows that same pattern. If you look at, um, you know, uh, if you look at a lot of music, if you look at at even your art show, um, there was a, a conclusion because you had finished enough paintings that you were happy with putting them in the show. But nothing really ends. That's not the conclusion. Mm-hmm. The people who were going to see the show still live on. They still have lives. That was just one piece of their life and their experience and their experience of art in general. And it was just one point. And I think that's that's some of 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 the outlook that I, I see about life in general. And, the, and the, none of us are going to make it out alive. I'm kind of picturing like this movie reel going. You know, your life is kind of like a movie also. Right. <laughs> right. So when you said, you know, no one's getting out alive and... You know, the reel just keeps going. Yeah. After these events, after you've accomplished whatever you're accomplishing. And you don't want the, the reel to just kind of keep going with nothing on it. You know, you have to you have to jump back in and, and be the lead in your role. Totally. Hopefully humbly and without too much ego. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree with that. And, and, and some of the best movies, to continue that analogy... Some of the best movies aren't the ones with the best endings. Mm. And they're uh, some of the ones that have the most interesting Mm -hmm. storylines. And sometimes uh, end when sometimes end in a way that sets up for a great sequel. Ooh. Um, And that sequel could be your movie. It could be your kid's movie. It could be your legacy. Yeah. I think there are a lot of ways to think about that. But I love movies that have really interesting storylines. Some people disagree with me. My mother. And I'll reference her again two times in one episode, Mom. Which is not bad because she could be one of, um, you know, only a handful of people that are actually listening to us. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, but she hates movies that don't have good endings. Mm. You mean happy endings or good endings? She thinks happy endings. Okay. Yeah, that's her point of view. That's my dad is that way too. Uh, yeah, She says uh, if she wanted to be depressed, she'd think about life, not go to the movies. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I totally respect that, but I think for me, I, I like the story better than than just the conclusion. Yeah, I like things that make me think or show you just such a different side of life that you would never experience yourself. And by right. seeing that movie, you you have get a little piece of that, a little feeling of maybe what it's like to be someone else or living a different type of life, which can be really inspiring, you know. That's so true. Yeah. And taking us back to to the idea of being the driver of your own life. Yeah. And being in that driver's seat. The latest book by Seth Godin. Uh, Godin is an incredible author, has published about a book a year for the last 10 plus years. 
I'll have to give him another try because I didn't really like his last book. No, no kidding. No. That's too bad. I don't like the way he wrote. Oh, really? Maybe it's just that one particular book. That's really interesting. It was the Icarus book. Oh, the Icarus Deception. Yeah. Yes. I talk about that a lot. Yeah. I liked the audiobook better than I liked the printed book. Mm-hmm. But it was very, I thought it was kind of very choppy, like these little snippets of things. Sure. Um, but I think I liked the idea behind it. So I'm going to give him another try. Good. Maybe I'll try this next book. Yeah, there you go. What's it called? It's called What to Do When It's Your Turn. Mm. And the subtitle is, And It's Always Your Turn. <laughs> And I think that's interesting. It's something that that I teach quite a bit when coaching leaders and when working with consulting clients to get them out of the mindset that they have to wait until someone says that they can do something. Wait until someone gives them permission. Because that's a very pervasive feeling to wait until someone tells us that we can do something. There's security in that. But some of of what we try to, to teach people is y- you can be a leader no matter where you are in the organization. You can choose to say, I have an idea. Can I take the responsibility of trying this? Mm-hmm. And you can do that and you can see what the results are. Even if you don't want to ask for permission, you can just try to measure something around your idea. You can just try it. And see, not that I'm saying to, to do anything that could get you fired, but but trying something and taking a little bit of responsibility, even if that means that it could fail, because that's part of leadership too, to then come back and say, yeah, we didn't meet we didn't meet our goal or we didn't meet my goal, but look at all that we learned. Yeah. Now let's try something else. Yeah, that's a good learning experience. And so a lot of I think being inspired is this process of of being willing to to have a little bit of leadership, even if it's only over yourself and over what you're trying to make Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to to get started, to get in that driver's seat. Yeah. To to go even when the first five or ten miles of the trip are the hardest. Mm -hmm. Because then before you know it, you're on the freeway. Yeah. And it's open roads and it's wonderful scenery and you're learning something. I love that. I love that image. And I think um, on one of our last episodes, we were talking, it ended up, we ended up talking about um, how there really isn't a road in front of you, but as you step, as you take your steps, you're creating your road as you go along, which That's I, right. I love that image too. And there's something to be said for just taking an active role in your life in your job, in whatever it is you're involved with, and not being... In your community, even. In your community, for sure. And not just being that person that sits around saying, oh, gee, you know, I wish, you know, I wish there were more art studios in my area, or, um, I don't know, I wish whatever, whatever you're wishing for. I wish that wall across from my couch wasn't white. Yeah. It's not going to change unless you get up off the couch and, you know, paint it. Yeah. So you, it's good to take this active role. And I know for a lot of artists, you know, you might sit around and say, well, I can't wait till someone will come along and find me and recognize me. And then I'll, then I'll be this famous artist. This is something, you know, it's sort of like a belief that can really keep you very limited. And if you focus instead on 
not waiting for that person to come along to recognize you, but take the reins in your hand and, you know, get out there and market yourself, meet people, go to the galleries. It's, it's all very hard work, but at least, you know, you've set it in motion. You set it in motion. You're, you're driving your car now. And it's, um, at the end of the day, I think it's, you'll feel like it was really worthwhile, you know? That's so true. Yeah. I really love some of those thoughts, Nina. I think this is good stuff. I think so too. And I'm, I'm feeling a little more upbeat and inspired now that we've been chatting today. I am too. I can't wait to, to dig in and, and do a little bit of writing now. And you know what? I'm going to set, make some new goals for myself for the upcoming year. Cause I feel like I, I didn't have anything really concrete and I know it's not about the goal. Um, it's about the journey, but still I like having those goals out there. I think they are what get me in motion and put me in the driver's seat. We're so glad you joined us. See you soon.